Welcome to Mysterious Goings On. We're going to get right to the show after these messages. This is E.J. Findorf, author of Blood Parish, and you're listening to the Mysterious Goings On. I don't think any word can explain a man's life. So said Charles Foster Kane, the protagonist of Wells, Orson Welles, to you, most famous work, Citizen Kane. That quote came to mind as I watched The Golden Age. I um, gotta tell you, it's a musical rockumentary shot over a decade in California and India. It introduces us to the character of subversive pop star Maya O'Malley, who, after a string of controversial remarks, gets dropped from his music label and sets out on a spiritual pilgrimage throughout India in an attempt to resolve his troubled past. To talk about why that reminded me of Wells on so many levels, we're welcoming Justin Connor to the show. He is an actor, writer, director, and musician who produced the award-winning feature film, The Golden Age, which just made its worldwide release on Amazon Prime. The soundtrack, also written, performed, and produced by Connor. You starting to get a vibe for Orson Welles here, folks? Here we go. It's available on all streaming platforms with a double vinyl album available at justinconnor.com. All those links will be in the show notes. Don't worry. Don't scribble it down. We've got to meet Justin Connor. Welcome, sir, to Mysterious Goings On. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm great. Thank you for being here. Have you been compared to Welles yet? Uh, no, I haven't heard of that, so <laughs> thank you. That kind of took me by... Took me by alarm and surprise at all once. Well, you know, um, I, I haven't let on just yet, but I'll just tell everybody listening that this is actually a mockumentary, but I thought, you know what, you've probably heard Spinal Tap references to death, and I just decided it was a different tack, and that's the, in fact, that's not really what occurred to me right off the bat when I watched uh, The Golden Age. Yeah, you know, it's, that's good, uh, that's a good reference. I'm very influenced by the work of uh, Christopher Guest, and I think he does a great job at portraying satire for a lot of laughs and such. And um, a lot of people who see the Golden Age, uh, it, it, it's 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 almost two camps. Some people say, "Oh my God, who is this person? I never heard about this," and they start looking him up. And then they come to the realization of the second camp that, "Oh, this might be not real." But the funny thing is. In my opinion, it's a, it is a hybrid of a documentary and a mockumentary. I, it, there's so much of the film that is real that was drawn from my life that uh, it really is a true story, um, except that it was kind of told in a narrative way that has kind of a documentary, mockumentary feel. But at the end of the day, I'm not really sure sometimes how much of it is real and fake. And I think there was like a line in between narrative and uh, you know, fiction and and documentary and mockumentary that I was kind of playing with, and it was sort of trying to reframe my past through this alter ego, Maya O'Malley, to make sense of my own past because it was um, so uncomfortable to address. If that makes sense, it, it makes total sense. Justin, tell me though. I mean, let me ask you an audacious question because 
you're I, frankly that that's a word I would use about you audacity I mean you had the audacity <laughs> to you, I mean I don't mean that unkindly you did but sure. you had the you know you had the audacity to say I've got a story I've got a vision I'm going to see that vision through you know a lot of people say that okay I'm I'm a writer I write books I if I had a dollar for everybody who was a wannabe writer who said I'm writing a novel <laughs> come on <laughs> right so, yeah. and I'm not and I'm not knocking them. I mean, God not bless them. But, but, but you took it to um, to the the last uh, stage. You got it out there, and it's received acclaim, and you won some awards. I have a small amount of that. Besides being a writer, back when I was an actor in theater, I used to direct my own shows. And I remember, I'll never forget this. A fellow director or a director came up to me and said, "Kid, where do you get the the audacity to think you can direct yourself?" You know. <laughs> totally. I'm like, well, who are you to tell me I can't? So yeah. I'd love it. I'd, just I'd love it if you tell me, man. Where did you get? I mean, were you always going to do it yourself, or did you pitch it and it didn't go? Or did, could you give us a little background? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, I, I started out in Los Angeles as an actor and I was doing, you know, roles on TV shows, commercials, independent films and such. And, you know, hoping to move up the ranks in Hollywood, but it's very competitive and it's only gotten more competitive over the years. And even even if I could wave a magic wand and could have showed up on a regular on a TV show or done more major films or whatever, there's a certain element of what's being told and what's being portrayed in Hollywood that isn't maybe I don't want to say is lacking the substance of sorts, but you know, might be. And I wanted to do something. You know, I watched a lot of these independent films and documentaries about people's lives that was just so viscerally effective on my life and just you know, really changed my whole path that I, I wanted to direct something. And you know, it's funny that you say that because you, you know, you can't swing a dead cat in Hollywood and not meet a million people saying. Oh yeah, I'm gonna. What I really want to do is direct. I mean, that's like the, <laughs> that's like the running joke in this town. So I, I relate to your story about books, and I'm actually writing a book or finishing a book that accompanies the film right now. And I didn't realize how much work that was. So kudos to you in terms of your book writing. But um, I'm, it's 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 a similar process as well. But I think there are so many people that want to do that and never do. And I had seen so many independent films that I was a part on has started out with these grand ambitions that never turned into anything that I think part of the reason why I wore so many hats in terms of writing, directing, producing, acting, and doing the music and all that, it was I would watch these films when I was a part of them as an actor and I would see them sort of fail or have these mini failures along the way, you know, no fault of their own because it's such a tough medium to exact, is that I wanted to make sure I, I had as much control over this project as possible to preclude it from falling by the wayside or moving on from a scene that wasn't caught perfectly and that would like sort of destroy the potency of the film in and of itself so i think it was more wearing a lot of hats and, and i and i ended up gravitating more towards directing just because when i was working as an actor for so many years i was on set kind of watching how everything worked and i was like can i pull this off and can i pull this off with less people and less money and and do this kind of the way i wanted to do it of sorts so i think it emanated from there of just wanting to tell more of a story that spoke home to me, even if it was outside of my own, that there's so many stories now that come out in Hollywood, whether we see in film or TV that, you know, God bless them and they have a great audience and people love them and, and relate to them. But I, I wanted to do something that was a little bit more risque and, and was more reflective of how so many of us have gone through these wounds in our lives 
and and portray it in a in a way that was real and sort of a documentary light, but um, treat it with a different way of storytelling. So it wasn't like, oh, we've seen that actor before playing this role, and now we're supposed to go along with the story. And when it's done really well, you can. But I find that oftentimes it's hard to get past that name recognition. So it was it was ironically important for me not to have any names in this film, and and for it to be really um, sort of like Christopher Guest, like have the characters slip into these uh these roles and kind of discern how much you wanted to be obsessed with whether it's real or fake or mockumentary or really get lost in the story so it was kind of like it was kind of a flip and a, a satire maybe even of entertainment itself you know <laughs> yeah I, I could see that definitely um let me ask you something though this took it took a while right how long did it take you from start to finish to and uh, even now though you just said by the way you're not finished you've got a book coming out but how long did it take you to finish the film proper uh, the film proper was probably about 2007 or 2012 in terms of actually filming it. I started doing the music for it in around 2004 because I had to make sure the soundtrack was on point. So I was doing a lot of recording of the album. And the irony is that when I made the film, I had to like re-record lots of it or parts of it while filming it. So, you know, it was like from like 2004 to by the time I was finished with actually the post-production was like 2015, 2016. And I know that sounds crazy, like a decade long project, but it was like, you know, it's a film, an album, and, you know, now the book is a, a few years after I'm releasing it, which takes a while, as you know, as well. But, you know, for me, it was like, you know, and when I talk to people about that, they're like, oh, my God, you spent a decade of your life doing this. And I was like, you know, it's so funny because time is like one of the biggest illusions yet. And and so I don't, I yes, I don't, I know most people would probably throw in the towel after 10 years and be like, I just can't do it. And there were times, trust me, where I felt like the same, but it doesn't matter on some level if it took 10 years or 20 years or 10 lifetimes. It might've taken 10 lifetimes for me to get this out. You know, I might've I might have been working on this longer than I even know. So it was less about how long it took and it was more about like, did I, did I, did I check the boxes that I needed to check and really like make the film I wanted to make, which I think is the hardest part of any creative process, but especially filmmaking, because I think there's a lot of people that sign off on a film, whether it's a director, actor, producer, whoever, that whether it's done in a short time or twice as long as mine, it's hard to really stand behind something and be like, okay, I did something with this, you know? You know, I, yeah, and I view creatively as a writer, I, I say this all the time, being a writer is like always having homework. Um, <laughs> right? You're, you're always got writing something. Is you, <laughs> right, writing and you, is rewriting. Rewriting is rewriting. Right, and you always have something... You, 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 as far as I'm concerned, I always have a project I could be working on. Like if, if I'm relaxing, have a drink on Friday, you know, I'm having a cocktail on a Friday. I'm like, uh, instead of having this cocktail, I could be working on my next in my series or that horror story. Right. So there's that. But the other thing that I find too, is just like you with my, with my own work, whether it's, whether my work's good or not, I, the idea of not finishing is hateful to me. I mean, unless oh, it's God. right, right. It's unless worst. it's, yeah. Unless it's just, and of course we also know if we're smart. If it's absolutely crap, you know, but sure, every sure. now and then, Why you know, abandon it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like a song. Do, I mean, if you ever, I mean, I bet it's easier to abandon a song that's not going anywhere than it would obviously a whole album or a movie, though, right? Oh, sh- sure, sure. But it's very analogous to the same context I imagine with you with books, where there's like, I really wanted that chapter to work, but it's just not playing, and I have to scrap it. So, yeah. and I'm dealing with that right now with the book, and it's got a very similar, um, you know, with with books, like you know, it's writing is rewriting is rewriting is rewriting. Uh, dot 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 ad nauseum yada yada. But like, yeah, I feel the same way. It's like once you unearth that, it's like you can't stop thinking about it on some level, where you're having that drink on Friday night. And it's like, well, I could be doing some rewrites, and that that was always in the, my mind with the 
film and with the album, the same thing happens with songs. There were songs for the film that I wanted to put in the film that I couldn't, that didn't fit or you're scrapping it. So it's like, there's a discernment you have to have with that in mind too, but it's, it's a very interesting process and very similar to writing in the sense that there were storylines and arcs within the film that I had written that were going to be included for sure. That by the end of it, when you get to the editing room, there's a certain impression where it's like, okay, we're only using the A material. Yeah. Even if that means that the script that I wrote and the fo footage that I shot that I kind of needed to be in here, well, we can morph the story now to work around that A material stuff versus use that B or B plus stuff that didn't work as well. So it's really just about trusting your inner barometer. And I think that's, that's what I think this project did the most for me for was like, it gives you a lot of autonomy to say, this is what I want to reveal to people. Hmm. And, and it's okay to abandon that, which you otherwise thought was going to be in there. But for whatever reason, whether it's a chapter or a song or a scene or an arc or a B plot within a film, it's like, it's okay. It's okay to let it go. I think it's more important to make sure that you're not wasting the audience's time. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's really the barometer and we're living in a day and age where I think the audience's time is constantly wasted. So it's important for me as an artist or a creator to make sure that I'm not adding to that. And it has, and, and it at least gives myself and the work itself and this film, the album and the book next. I mean, I've been working so tirelessly on it because it's like, I don't want to waste someone's time. And if you want at even a remote chance at something that's timeless, you have to get really discerning with that involved with that with that in mind, even if it's confronting to let go of a baby and kill some of your darlings along the way. Kill some of your darlings, exactly. Well, let me just dig into a part of the the the, the catalyst of the film for a second because I've got a broader question beyond this. But okay, Maya is going places, and then he he basically he. He says some controversial stuff that gets him bounced from his record label. Um, and, and the reason I want to bring this up is like because, and I won't say exactly what he said, even though I've written it down, because I, I thought it was really great what he said, you know, the way he said it, too. By the way, that was a great scene. Um, but this is what interests You're me. You're free this to is, say whatever you want. <laughs> well, I'll give it away. Okay, here's the sentence, folks, and you'll not have to watch the movie. But he, he says to someone, I doubt there are any slaughterhouses in heaven. And... This is part of a context of another of other things he said that has pissed off people that got him bounced. Okay, but the the reason I'm asking you this part, going to this part, is this because I, the predicate for this we we already discussed. You started this 10, 10 years ago. Okay, and here it comes. I'm going to use the, the catchphrase, but way before cancel culture was a thing. Okay, sure. I, did you you saw it coming before anybody? I did, and I saw that people were starting to speak up, and as soon as they did, they started getting jumped on, and as the social media started to. Um what's the word uh fester if not fester is like, a uh, good word yeah, yeah. um it's 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 it that stuff was happening prior to social media though just in a different context if someone got in hot water or whatever but it was usually wrapped up because we weren't incessantly bombarded by what that person did or said in the media so in relation to what you said you know Maya is a, a little bit um you know, uh, controversial in the sense that, you know, he's talking about things like one's diet and vegetarianism and, and corporations and how we're all being kind of um, sent off to our own slaughterhouses by, you know, the corporations taking over our culture. And I think Maya was sort of my allowance to speak through this alter ego about some of the institutions that I feel like is part of our decay of our, of our culture. 
and um and there's a little bit an element of that cancel culture coming into the film prior to when it happened now but it was important for me to like use that as a tool because when people are really struggling with their own past and trying to put the fractured pieces back together what i find especially with artists is they're lashing out accordingly and you know artists are really brave in terms of saying, you know, this is not really the way we're supposed to be. And I want to voice why it's not. And I think that's great. But at the same time, I wanted to use that as a tool to help tell the story in the sense that when people are really lashing out to a disproportionate degree, I wanted to get the audience a little ruffled, their feathers mm. a little ruffled so that it became a job to win them back as the story evolved. You know what I mean? So it was right. like, we want that we want to hate the hero and then we want to go oh my god that happened to him okay can i win him back now so it was like it was it was also a ploy stylistically in terms of storytelling wise but i thought it was um i think it's kind of apropos or like a funny revelation about how i did this years ago and um and now that's what's happening left right and center it's almost like when you're in front of the microphone now or you're someone of who's known. And that's why I think the whole thing was just a satire on fame because I struggle with it. Of course I want to be known. Of course I want the golden age to hit everyone's hearts, but I know in this day and age, it's hard to get so many people to see whatever you're doing. And it was important for me to be really honest about how I felt and what I felt like. And I used Maya as that vehicle to express what I really deeply feel. But anyone who's in front of a microphone now who has something to say, it's like, you have to act like the Pope or like a, like a guru or else if you, cause you know, anything you take out of context, you're going to get yeah. harangued. Yeah. So it was just kind of an irony that I wrote this, you know, years ago with wanting to speak your views, not realizing that you do that in this day and age and you better, you're walking a really fine line. Yeah. A, a careless word at your peril. I, uh, part of my day job is I'm a public relations guy. Don't hang up. Um, and I, I, <laughs> And uh, it's something I work on with clients all the time. It's like I try to train them ahead of time um, about social media use. And, you know, even myself, I've, I've had to really work on that, particularly considering that Friday cocktail. Not a good time to have Twitter open. So, <laughs> but I want to, there's another interesting thing. I, <laughs> there's another interesting thing, though, that I, that I, that I picked up here. Um, the memoir idea, by the way, which mm. I, I love. I, I was just listening to a podcast, uh, Mark Maron's show, with, and guess who was on? It was Quentin Tarantino and how Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he wrote this companion novel. And it's not like the screenplay. You know, the, you mm. know remember those old rip-off things they used to do? That's a whole different story that fleshes it out, which sounds like what you're doing here with Maya. Yeah, you know, I love that idea because I think like when you write a three-act structure to a book and then you turn that book into a film, from my perspective and from what i've gathered and from what i've seen 99 percent of the time everyone hates the film in relation to the book because the book allows the reader to be kind of the director and see what yeah. they want to see and roll with it and feel like oh my gosh they were so moved there and someone else could have be like what are you talking about they were angry there so it's very interpretive to the reader so i'm like i don't want to through the structure of the golden age or, or we'll just be moot in the way so many books are but i said wait a minute why don't i do a memoir of my o'malley's life and it's like a companion while he's on tour writing about his life and and to be honest with you it emanated somewhat because we're living in such a streaming world now where i realized films are now all streaming i'm like well maybe there's something to like uh, additionally add to this film but it was even more so that when you tell a film within a, a three-act structure for 190 minutes 100 minutes whatever 
there's a certain like element of how much you can really explore. And for me, with some of my own traumas and past, I grew up in this very dysfunctional, abusive household. I put that into parts of the film, but there's only so much you can say stylistically within that framework of that subplot idea. And with a with a book, you can just go so much deeper. Hmm. So so I I thought the idea of doing a memoir to accompany it to accompany it not only helped fuel the film and or fill in the blanks for people who enjoy the film but it also is um it's it's also really like uh i had more to say than i was able to say in the film if that makes sense and and, sure. the, and, and the film allowed me, excuse me the book allowed me to open that and go a little deeper just so there was a, a, a better cleansing for me once i signed off for this project to move on to the next thing that i i said everything i needed to say i said it in a macro sense in the film and I said it in a, a micro sense in the, in the book and got really, really deep with it. Justin, and I, again, I, I started out with the uh, the allusion to, to Wells, okay? So, you know, feel free to push back. But is there <laughs> is there one aspect of your creativity that is dominant? Musician, well, I, actor, director? Well, I, I always look at myself as an actor first and foremost, always, even though all my friends will say music. Yeah. And but there's an element I think I'm moving away from the business because I'd, I'd rather make another film, even if I only make two films in my lifetime or maybe more. I mean, who knows? But it's hard to go back to Hollywood after doing this because I realize the power and potency of saying what I need to say, even if it takes another 10 years. It, it was really, really wildly fulfilling in a way that sometimes acting isn't, which I think is why a lot of actors gravitate to it. However, you know. I, if, if I'm being honest too, the, the music is the biggest constant of my life because it gives you such autonomy to say exactly what you want to say in a creative light. So I think I'll always be doing that. But strangely, my best art form, I think, and what I'm probably going to be doing more in the event I leave Los Angeles, which I might, I'm not really sure, is painting. And, 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 and it's funny because I, you know, people are like, oh my God, you did this and you did that. And it's like, for me, it's like the art forms are all synonymous with one another. Like, it just kind of matters what what you're doing, or it, it doesn't really matter what art form it is, if that makes sense. Like, I always mm -hmm. kind of see myself as an artist, but it doesn't matter if, like, I'm in, I can stand in front of the camera with someone's words, and I feel pretty confident about bringing them to life, and I love writing a song, and I love doing a painting, and this book has been really fun, even though it's maddening writing a book. <laughs> so, so I think it's all sort of the same thing for me, you know, but if I had to choose one right now that made the most sense, it's probably music, just because... It allows you so much autonomy, whereas an actor, it doesn't. You're kind of at the helm of being hired by someone else. But I do love, I study the great actors and I study the great films. And I, I think that's that's always what's deepest in my heart. It's just, I don't think people know really outside the business how challenging it is to have a career in that. And I kind of underestimated that as well. But um, I, I think why I always favor music by a tad these days is, you know, I can sit down at the piano and I, or I can write an album and I know, I can really shape it without having to be on someone else's watch telling me when I can do it, you know? Yeah, and now and the, album, the, the, the soundtrack for The Golden Age is in Maya's voice. Now, here's a silly <laughs> question. How much of that is, is also you? You know what I'm saying? Did, did you have to yes. put a little... Is there artifice, though? Did you add... You know what I'm saying? You, you're in character during the, as an actor doing yeah. the character. How are you in character, if this is not too dumb a question? Uh, no, when you're... it's not. It's a great question. Okay. How do you it's do great, that? It's a great question. Because while I was, you know, I released my first album called Cali Ugg while I was 
doing acting gigs and it was cool and I was trying to find my voice and it was more whispery you know and then I was working on the second album thinking hey maybe I'll do a film with this if I can pull it off and I started like kind of like it was kind of like coming out of the throat and the heart like the throat chakra I was like it was a lot of truth coming out and he was like singing very like powerfully and vocally kind of like in that primal like John Lennon way and mm. I was like and I and I dubbed this character Maya and that's where it kind of all emanated from but now that I finished the project it's like hard to relieve myself of that character. And I'm now wondering if, if some of that way of singing now is just who I always was and this Maya gave me liberty to do it, or is it okay to go back to kind of that softer way or like find a new way? So I don't know it could, because it got so blurry. I'm not even sure to some extent who I am versus Maya is after making this. And I'm not sure how I sing songs, but what I realized doing this character of Maya allowed me to do was it like allowed me to sing about and be really forceful in a vocal and emphatic and um, emotional about what I really believed in. Just like the opening tune, I believe like it was like, it was sort of this coming out party to really sing about what I knew was deepest ingrained in my soul. And I think if nothing less moving forward, it allowed me to like take off that, you know, like, rip that scab off and be like okay it's okay to sing about what you want versus what other people traditionally do so i still think there's elements now while i'm demoing next the next album or that that element comes up but i'm not sure if that's always who i've been and doing this project allowed maya to to surface or if i you know have to try to shake off parts of them to see if there's another aspect of myself that's going to come through you know you know i for for me for uh, maya is i got some different vibes here kind of a okay then this is always dangerous doing this i don't want to piss no, you no, off no 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 i love to hear it i, I have it all it's kind of like harry nelson meets tom waits in a lot of oh ways oh my man. god i love you <laughs> <laughs> well it's so funny you say that because harry nelson is a huge influence on me huge See, can I just interrupt for a second listeners yeah. if you don't know and i think sadly most of you or many of you won't know who harry <laughs> nelson was he was john lennon's best friend during the lost weekend years and all that stuff but yep. brilliant he had didn't he justin you tell me i'm not a musician i'm not a singer sure. his voice was it wasn't oh like the God. most the incredible range yeah i think he was most known for having this incredible range he, he was just a beautiful singer he'll melt your heart and for those out there listen to an album he did called nelson schmilson Yes. That's probably his most seminal work. But there's so, you know, if you look at him and you start researching him, you'll realize his oeuvre, which is like no, numerous albums. And I think the reason why I like Harry Nelson and maybe even why Maya O'Malley emanated is, is in, in sort of in tribute to him. Like he wasn't someone who was like looking to become famous. He didn't go out on tour. He just made these wild little albums that were so beautiful, so well crafted, so well written, so well sung. And he's kind of my hero because I'm not sure I want to go on tour. I just like making these really fun, beautiful albums like Brian Wilson. He meets, you know, like Nilsson, like he's my guy. But for the people out there listening to him, you know, the lime and the coconut he did with uh, with um, I can't live with or without you, you know, and does these big you, you'll know the songs. He, he did the soundtrack for um, Midnight Cowboy. Midnight, Don't Midnight forget Cowboy. That's what I was just about to say. Um, so for everyone out there, go listen to him. I mean, he's so. He's so beautiful. He's such a beautiful man, such a beautiful voice. So he's a, he was a huge influence. Huge. Justin, and, would, and you, Tom would you? Waits, Tom Waits, not as much, but I've been listening to him a lot lately. My brother loves him a lot. And he is, uh, in the sense that Maya marches to the beat of his own drum, 
wow, holy Tom Waits. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, and when you get a little whispery too, just here and yes, there. But, yes, but, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 I gotcha. But uh, another entree, and you, you know, he did a great album with John Lennon called Pussycats that is a nice oh, yeah. way to slip in there if you want to get to know. Um, I think Nelson, towards the end of his life, did some work for Disney and stuff like that, and he died way too young, but as did John Lennon. Um, right. Yeah, well, I, see, I could go on forever about that stuff with you. I I, I love it because I'm a, I'm a Nelson fan, and I meet so few people who know who he was, and uh, they're they're the poorer for not knowing him. So, and and I think they're going to by listening to your music, they're going to get some really great texture, um, and that's the thing about what you're doing here too. That's like I I didn't get a chance to listen to your first album, you know, in preparation oh, okay. for this because I wanted to see the difference. So I just thought, well, I'll ask you that question, but sure. Um, let me get let me get back to a couple of other things. I know we've gonna got to wrap soon here, but um, you got this uh, on Amazon Prime, right? Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime in like every country or like a lot the main countries. So if you want to see it, just put in the Golden Age Justin Connor, ABC Noir into Amazon. It'll come up, and you can stream it or rent it or buy it wherever you want. Yeah, and the link's in the show notes, by the way, folks. So uh, and, and the yeah. album's on Spotify, Apple, and all that, which is Justin Connor, The Golden Age, uh, and that's the soundtrack. Okay, I'm going to ask you, I think I think this might be our penultimate question here today, but um, uh, I'm wondering yeah, if you're prepared um, to be finished with this. Oh, my God, it's so funny you're saying that, because I thought when I finished the book, I would go through this huge wave of depression, which I thought I would, because it's like triplets. Right. And what happened is about a few months ago, when I'm getting close to finishing the book, I'm almost done with it now. It's like, it kind of hit me. It was just like, I've been working nonstop on this for 10 to 15 years. And it just hit me and I couldn't move and I was in bed. So it's like that probably happened when I released the book too, and just kind of take a break before I do the next album. But um, I am now, you know, I am ready to let this beast go. And I think there's been an element of not being able to stay sane and maybe going through a wave of depression, to be honest with you, as of late. Because I went really deep in this project in terms of my own wounds, but especially in this book. And I'm swimming in an aspect of my past that I don't normally want to on a day-to-day -day level. But I knew that it was important for me to do that because there's a lot of other survivors out there like me that have been through the ringer. And it was important for me to go to the mat and swim in this a little bit longer than I would have liked to, because I've seen the way it's healed. People have gone through the same thing. My story is no different than anyone else's that's got had to walk through the fire. So it's, it's a pain to swim in the sea of um, abuse and all the past and, and go through these waves and ups and downs. So I'll be very happy. And my goal is by January 1st of, you know, 2022, I'm like, I'm out of the woods, but it was important for me to do it just to, to, to preserve the potency and to preserve, the sacred nature of honoring those that have been through the same and trying to heal them as well as myself in a, in a similar way. Yeah. And regular listeners to the show and readers of my work will know that you and I have a few things in common and I, um, I'm getting ready. I'm finishing up the last of my eight book series of this. It's a mystery thrillers thing, but he's got a lot going on under the surface and um, I'm having to relive a lot of stuff myself. So I, I, my heart goes out to you. I understand that. That's one reason I wanted to ask you that question because I'm kind of there too, or with this characters I've been writing about for almost 15 years. And, oh my and God. And I've got to say goodbye to these people. Oh, and I should be asking you this question. How are you gonna... <laughs> I'm just going to tell you straight up, man. It is. It's. It's harder than I thought it would be. Oh, and same. I, I find myself um, procrastinating because I mean, oh, yeah. 
it I don't even want to write the last you sentence. don't even want to show up and visit it it's like it's a chore and you can't explain it to anyone no and you're trying to stay sane just in the fact that you're swimming in it let alone Jesus Christ I got to work through it and I got to make it great and I got to finish it and then I got to market it and then I got to get out there so it's like I was in bed last night like thinking about the, all the steps that I got to do to like release the book and then market and all that night I, I was like having a panic attack panic attack and i'm like justin you need to go to bed you have to you have a podcast in the morning and here we are talking about so back to you reflectively like keep going you know one of my friends who finished a book recently and has done a number of books too said just do it one step at a time don't give up like it's okay like take care of yourself and however you can along the way but uh bravo to you you're in the same boat well, thank you. I thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. And I, I really have enjoyed your work and meeting you has been tremendous. I'd like to just again, everybody, there'll be links in the show notes. Uh, I'll put links to not only the, the, the Golden Age, but also his albums and his homepage and all that stuff. And I, I want you all to check it out. So uh, last question here. Last question then. This is kind of the question we all hate, by the way, but you're going to get it anyway. Oh, What's shit. next, buddy? What are you oh. doing next? <laughs> oh, God, I know. Well, like I alluded to earlier, I, 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 I'm going to see what happens if, um, you know, hopefully the Hollywood zeitgeist can catch up with what I'm doing or somebody sees it and says like, wow, I get what this kid's doing. I'd like to put him in some stuff, but given the climate of the business, I'm not really like keeping my fingers crossed for that. If I'm being totally honest with you. Sure. Sure. So I think there's an element of like, <clears throat> I'm moving into a new part of my life. And I think my O'Malley was kind of my celebration of finishing that last part of myself. Uh, so I've definitely got a new album I'm working on um, and I'm really excited about that. And I feel like it runs circles around the golden age, although I stand behind the golden age for sure. And um, <clears throat> there's a part of me that's thinking about leaving LA and like growing a garden and living the simple life and making albums and painting and uh, maybe working on another script and trying to find a little bit more balance than I find those that are entrenched in this entertainment industry allow for themselves or are able to, to uh, find that kind of like, you know, I think one of my dreams is always, you know, having three to five to 10 acres and growing some vegetables and fruits and like watching butterflies and hummingbirds around and write some songs and kind of, you know, using, like you said earlier, you know, um, Harry Nilsson, he kind of lived his own life the way he wanted mm -hmm. to do it. Right. And I think I'm learning to trust that and trust my uniqueness that I will do better if I stop trying to compare myself to how other people are doing and what I'm instead doing so i think that's what's up for me next well i don't you know going back to Turn orson wells start from there you know there you go orson wells i don't think any word can explain a man's life but i think i think i can come up i can conjure one word for justin connor that and that is inspired and i really have been inspired with this conversation sir and i wish you all the best and again folks listeners just check the show notes for all the links and check it all out justin thanks so much for being with us here on mysterious goings on thank you you've been so lovely this is such a great convo i appreciate it Okay, who has a podcast then writes an ebook about podcasting and doesn't do an audiobook version of it? Well, not me. I've done that. In fact, I'm very excited to tell you, dear listeners, that the podcast option, my recent top-selling ebook on podcasting, my journey through 15 years as a podcaster, broadcaster, host, guest, and observer, is now an audible audiobook. It's really, really, really exciting for me to be able to present this to you through Audible, uh, which is available on Amazon.com, where the ebook link is as well. And in this fast listen, 
My experience uh, comes to you through stories, practical tips, and advice from my hundreds of hours as a guest, producer, podcast host, and more. And the podcast option, if I say so myself, is mandatory listening for those new to podcasting, and it should be a welcome addition to veteran podcasters library. So check out the podcast option read by yours truly, Alex Greenwood, or as they say there, the J. Alexander Greenwood, because that's my pen name. And that's a long story, which if you dig through my podcast, eventually you'll find out what that means. But the point being today, the podcast option is available now as an audible audiobook. I've got a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. Please do me a favor, go get that audiobook. Or if audiobooks aren't your bag, there's also a link for you to get it as an ebook. Again, the podcast option. I certainly hope you will choose it. Thanks so much for listening to Mysterious Goings On. Don't forget we have a complete archive of all of our interviews, monologues, updates, live readings, dead readings. All of that stuff is available at mgopod.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to us so you never miss an episode. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the usual suspects. Please join us there. Again, don't forget, mgopod.com also has links where to find me on social media and how to get in touch in case you want to be a guest here on the show. Well, I think it's time that I move on for this week, but until next time, keep reading.